I hear the cat meow. <laughs> no. <laughs> I hear meow. <laughs> it's like our panther's roar. It's just my cat yelling yeah. at the dog. Hello and welcome to the Fourth and Short Podcast, the post-draft edition. This is Brian, joined by John and Brad. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm pretty I'm good. doing well. Pretty good. Just trying to keep pretty these, good. These animals up oh, there, they go again. Trying to keep them under control. Yeah, John apparently has some uh, some animal fighting going on in his apartment. We're not sure if we need to investigate that or not. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a ring. It's it's a comp- uh, money has been gambled. I bet money on that cat. He sounds yeah. Cute. <laughs> I was say, I'm putting money on the cat. You you would not put money on the cat if you saw the cat compared to the dog. He's a large. He's a very fat cat. Dog is not fat. Dog is very athletic. Cat is on his back every time you hear him scream. Hey, cats can be fierce though. They got those. They got that that harsh like screech whenever they get really mad. So that's the only thing harsh about him is that screech. <laughs> so a lot of things happened um, since our last podcast, but mainly the NFL the schedule draft. reveal. Oh yeah, that too. Well, yeah, the schedule reveal that that was you know monumental, groundbreaking, <laughs> if you will. Um, but yeah, the Panthers picked some uh, picked some college students for their for their for their roster. So that's how that works. Um, yeah, they they get they get a certain amount of draft picks, and they get to draft these guys straight out of college. And those kids really have no choice about it unless they're Eli Manning. So yeah, and real quick before first, we, go ahead before we talk about that, is there any other profession in the world where once you've like graduated from college and you go to take a job? Uh, you get assigned to a place to work and you have no say in the matter whatsoever. The military. Other than maybe the military, yeah. That's, that's all I can think of. Other than sports, yeah, the military would be about the only one. Everywhere else is like, I would like to live in Boston or San Francisco. And the, and then professional sports is like, you are going to Buffalo. You get, <laughs> you do not get to, you like it or not. Oh, you wanted to go to Las Vegas? Well, <laughs> congratulations. You're going to Cleveland instead. Exactly. Fun, buddy. <laughs> Unless you're Eli first, Manning. Unless, Unless you're, you're Eli Manning. You have a rich Unless former NFL player father. Yep. So the first player that was not Eli Manning drafted by the Panthers was wide receiver DJ Moore out of Maryland, who was basically their entire passing offense because their quarterbacks were just so shitty that he got like 30% of their throws or something like that. So Yeah, something like that. To be fair to, to Maryland, they had a lot of injury problems too. It wasn't just that their quarterbacks were bad. They also, uh, if I remember reading correctly, they had like eight quarterbacks throw at least one pass. Yeah, so, that's what it was. Yeah. 
So it, it was it was a combination of injury and just general shittiness that that did them in. But well, typically and also typically when you deal with injuries, the quality of play deteriorates with each yeah. injury. Yeah. By the time you've got to your eighth guy, he's probably not <laughs> going to be very good. I mean, that's on just top of that, of the it's, it's the college of it's Maryland. I mean, like yeah, they're, quarterback. They're not you know the world beaters of college football. So. Yeah, and coincidentally, one of the UDFAs that we picked up was a running back, but he also played quarterback for Maryland because they had such a bad <laughs> time. You're talking about Louisville, actually. I am talking about Louisville. Yeah. People forget that they're different schools. They yeah. they are they are not different. They're actually the same. Their colors are <laughs> red and black. <laughs> that is Lamar my bad. Jackson. Lamar Jackson graduating with DJ Moore. <laughs> There's a reason why Lamar Jackson was the last quarterback picked like, the first because he played like we said. DJ Moore didn't have any real quarterback throwing to him, like we were saying. Yeah, yeah. Lamar Jackson's a wide receiver. I forgot exactly. Mm-hmm. But so the thing that interested me most about DJ Moore was actually our good old friend Steve Smith's comments, specifically saying the Panthers have not replaced me until today which was the day of the draft of DJ Moore. So he's pretty high on the kid. Good route, good physical runner, very aggressive play style, but he's got some kinks to his, you know, technical side as far as uh, getting off the press and uh, stemming his routes. But Norv Turner looked at the guy and uh, I swear to God, I swore, I, I think Norv Turner saw his firstborn kid when he looked at him for the first time. Um. So, John, what are, what are your thoughts on the DJ Moore well, pick? You know, you know how like we did that little that that post where we we all predicted who the Panthers were going to pick with their first pick. That those pictures from that pro day were pretty much why I picked DJ Moore. Um, but I'm excited about it just because I try. I always try not to uh, pick a player that I want because I know odds are that we're not going to get that player. But DJ Moore was kind of the guy I was. I felt my. I kind of like found myself hoping to hear when when it was our turn to pick so that was exciting um i do take the steve smith comments as exciting as they are with a little bit of a grain of salt just because dj moore plays so much like how steve smith played that i'm sure that kind con- that clouds his judgment a little bit but it's still very exciting to hear nonetheless i mean i don't i think he knows what he's talking about when it comes to wide receiver play yeah definitely i mean Moore definitely has the uh a lot of issues that need to be worked out, but those are things that can be worked out with coaching when it comes to like mm-hmm. getting off the press hand placement, you know, what, yeah, I, like, what I really. Well, I was gonna say like, I, I would be concerned if his issues were like athletic related or he can't catch or he can't win contested passes or he doesn't know how to time his jumps, like stuff like that would be concerning. Cause that's kind of like, and they're like innate uncoachable abilities. Like, Technique and route running can be improved upon more easily. Exactly. And what Matt Harmon elaborated upon before the Panthers drafted him was that Moore is good at what he calls the layup routes, like the slants, mm-hmm. the posts where it's like you get the ball out quickly. I can't really think of anybody on Carolina's squad right now who was good at that aside from maybe Christian McCaffrey. So. Yeah. That's definitely a big pick as far as that goes because that helps the pass protection. Um, Brad, what thoughts do you have on DJ Moore, a.k.a. the next Steve Smith? 
Well, I kind of feel the same way John does. I didn't necessarily want DJ Moore specifically. I just wanted a wide receiver because I think that's where you can you can take Carolina's team and, and instantly improve it with just one guy. Like, you know, we need safety help. We need cornerback help. We need offensive line help. But those things, we need more than one person. As far as wide receivers go, we can do it with just one guy. And I think DJ Moore, uh, you know, he, he's probably going to be a really good fit for, for our offense, especially if they put him in the slot, which we've seen that um, – Ron Rivera has said that's what they plan to do with him. Uh, put him in the slot, give him the ball 10, 15 yards downfield and let him use his, his yards after the catch ability to, to get you, you know, big chunks of yards and, and single plays and let him win there where he wins the most. Uh, you know, when, when he was at Louisville, he, um, Maryland. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Maryland. Um, when he was at Maryland, he, he seemed to be able to do that effectively, uh, despite having like eight or nine quarterbacks throwing him the ball at, at different times of the year. So, uh, and as far as Steve Smith's comments go, I mean, like John said, he knows what he's talking about. You know, it's not like it was just some random dude on NFL network who, who made those comments. When, when Steve Smith talks about wide receivers, you listen, cause he kind of knows what he's talking about. Especially that highly with that much praise because he's not one to uh yeah he doesn't like anybody that's that's a rookie you know he <laughs> especially somebody that would take his place in Panthers you know like on the Panthers like that was wasn't that that was kind of his knock when he was here was that he wouldn't like train people that could potentially you know were yeah. playing in the same position as him because he don't want them to take it like he's too competitive for that so if he's if he of all people saying this guy is the next me with that same team that I played for then that's something. And he's he's not wrong when he said that, that Carolina haven't found a replacement for him since he left because they, they haven't. I mean, you know, we had Ted Ginn for that one year, but that that's about it. And you know, we, ha- we haven't had a long-term number one guy since we lost Steve Smith. Yeah, and even Kelvin Benjamin as a number one guy was more of a volume inefficient, not that good of a number one guy. If he's Golden Tate, I'll be very happy because Golden Tate is what, like, I don't remember who said it first, but that's I see a lot of Golden Tate when he plays. Yeah, the the draft analyst they always compared him to Stephon Diggs, and if he can yeah. be Stephon Diggs, I, I think they did that because they both went to Louisville, but Maryland, um, <laughs> Maryland, my God, I'm gonna like count, make a counter, and just just count how many times he said Louisville instead of Maryland. Yeah, but. <laughs> you know, they they both went to Mar or to Maryland. I, I'm actually going to not know which school the guy went to if I keep doing this. <laughs> but, former Cardinal um, DJ Moore, former former Cardinal DJ Moore. They both went to to Maryland. I think that that's probably the comparison. I think it might yeah. be slightly lazy. Um, I think Golden Tate is probably more accurate. I also don't. Re- like recall seeing Stefan Diggs with, I mean, he's good after the catch, but not in that same way where like golden Tate's that same kind of catch the ball. And then he becomes a running back. We just runs through people and it's impossible to tackle. Well, Stefan yeah. Diggs just seems like a speed and elusiveness guy, but I and could be wrong. To be I, honest, Stefan Diggs only really has that one highlight play where he, you know, <laughs> destroys the entire city of new Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> That's a career making play though. But yeah, it's it's gonna be good to see DJ Moore with 
playing with Cam Newton and not the Denver Broncos pipe dream of tall white quarterbacks who can kind of throw. So <laughs> that'll be good. I'm I'm definitely excited in Matt Har- Matt Harmon's endorsement of DJ Moore as far as what he can do now definitely set me on the positive side of it because the a lot of the things that we worry about with him were struggles with like getting off the line of scrimmage and dealing with defensive backs and contact, but he also had quarterbacks who were throwing the ball five yards behind where they should be. So the fact ready for Cam, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> getting getting him on this team with Norv Turner and Cam Newton, where Cam can bond the ball down the field, I think that DJ Moore will be successful. But this is very early because none of us have seen him even on the practice field, let alone on the NFL field. So we'll see where that goes. But <laughs> that doesn't stop people from making judgments. By the way. Not to cut you off, so if you have more to say, you can. Did you have oh, more no, to say? You're good. Go ahead. Um, the like we have like like CP has talked about where he's got concerns with DJ Moore, and I've seen I think Marxist Panther on Twitter or whatever his Twitter handle is now, uh, kind of like with reservations about DJ Moore, and it's just it's just interesting interesting to me to see people where two different people, one person will say DJ Moore is a very raw route runner, he has to work on his technique, and then someone else can say. DJ Moore is a refined route runner. That's where he's going to win in this league. And that makes me like furthers my, nobody knows what they're talking about. Let's just wait and see what happens. Uh, take on the draft. On top of that, where, Steve Smith said that he had a PhD in route running. Yeah, exactly. Called. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the hell? We're, what, <laughs> what's going on here? You know, Maybe people like multiple people who've watched the exact same, have the exact same information at their disposal and could come to the exact opposite conclusions from it. So no, there's nothing scientific about it whatsoever. So um, see, that's why I don't pay attention to all that stuff. I, I look at, you know, two things. Can he get open and can he catch? If he can do those two things, I'm okay with it. Yes. And he mostly can. Mostly can. Yes. And he's, will be like our best yards after catch threat since, Steve Smith in like, and not even like the end of Steve Smith, like like maybe 2011 Steve Smith would be the last time we had a receiver that had good yards after the ability. Yeah. Correct me yeah, if I'm a... wrong. Go ahead, Brian. No, go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I've seen, cause there's a lot of, uh, what does this say about Curtis Samuel? And didn't we kind of say we're like, we're experimenting. We're trying to move him to the outside. Like I remember last yeah. year, him saying he was learning a new position basically because he's being he's playing as an outside receiver a lot of times. And yeah. if that's the case, and Funches and Samuel are the outside receivers, and Moore is the slot receiver, and everybody's got their own position, so I don't yeah, see why that's I mean, a concern. It, it, there's no concern there. The two, well, really, the one guy who should absolutely be concerned is Russell Shepard. I think he's gone. <laughs> you know, he's as good as gone. As soon as camp starts, they're going to cut him uh, because you've got. You know, you've got Funches and you've got Samuel. If Samuel can get healthy, that's the biggest concern is his, his health. It's not his ability. It's his health. Mm. Uh, if he I'm a little concerned with his ability. I am a little that's... concerned, but not very much. I also yeah. – I have a higher opinion of Samuel because he actually took time to talk to me. <laughs> and, you know, he confirmed that a hot dog's not a sandwich. So – God damn it. 
<laughs> so he's, <laughs> he's higher up on my list than, than a lot of people, other people's list. But, uh, you know, we've also got Demir Bird. I think Demir Bird has a chance to make the team. We've got uh, obviously DJ Moore. They're not going to cut a guy they drafted 24th overall. At least I hope they're not. Um, no, that's got big cap implications. Yeah, but there, there's those guys at the bottom of the barrel like, you know, Russell Shepard. Uh, there's another one that I'm, for some reason, am blanking on his name. Um, Brian, help him out. Demir Bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Demir Bird's going to make the team. I really do. I think they like the speed that he brings. I think they – because – you know, with, with DJ Moore, Demir Bird, Curtis Samuel, that's your three fast get down the field in a hurry guys. And then Devin Funches is your matchup guy on the outside on the number one corner. Then you've also got Greg Olson at tight end. So, I mean, I, I, I don't really think that anyone needs to be concerned about Curtis Samuel. I just, like I said, I've, I've talked about it with our, in our, uh, conversations where I'm not like writing him off by any means and I'm still optimistic about his future, but I am concerned because his main, I think, you know, calling card NFL where he wins in the NFL is his speed and his ability to like run after the catch also. But the fact that he has to jump to catch everything, even if it's thrown right at his numbers completely negates any uh, run after the catch ability he has. That's partly why he averaged like seven yards of catch last year. So, that's my concern. I mean, he can obviously get better at that, but it's that's where that's where my concern comes in. Yeah, we also can't forget that we have Tory Smith. Yeah, I like how I don't, I don't want to talk about this too much because we got to keep moving through all the graphics. But I like how much emphasis we put on speed this yeah. off season. We've seemed to put a, a huge emphasis on speed at the wide receiver position of guys from Louisville, um, <laughs> and also. Segway. Considering none of them are on the roster, but yeah, go ahead. Segway. We've also put emphasis on speed in our second round pick. Yes, we have. Segway. You stole my uh, Segway. I was, yeah, sorry. It's okay. Segway, Brian. No, you, you got it. You got it. Go ahead. Oh, we, we took, we took uh, Dante Jackson out of LSU, and he's fast. Thoughts? He's very fast. Sub 4-4 four, four, cornerback. That. He's very sub four four. He's like f- closer to four three than four four. Yep, four point three two to be exact. I like the way it was put, and then I guess we can kind of combine the two with him and Rashawn Golden, um, where we seem to be like building a defense that's flexible based on who the opposition is, which seems Imagine like a smart thing. There. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's what good like, teams do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have Bradbury and Cockrell who are, you know, our zone corners on the outside, and then we can put Jackson in, depending on who the matchups are. He can get more snaps if uh, we're playing like you know the Buccaneers with Sean Jackson or uh, the, the the Giants with Odell Beckham, just to have some speed out there. And then we have Golden to to match up in the box and play with tight ends and stuff because I know that's what they said was their kind of what drew them to him was his ability to cover bigger guys. Let's not so forget I, Ridley I, I, too. Ridley from the Falcons. Oh, picked, they picked Calvin the first Ridley. Round. Yeah, Calvin I'm, Ridley. Yeah, Dante I'm Jackson not. Is going to be the guy that I would want to match up with that. Just for the speed. Yeah, because 
Ridley compares favorably to Ted Ginn, and that's a problem for James Bradbury. Does he <laughs> really, though? Yeah, he does, absolutely. He's, I know he's got he's good got straight speed. line speed. I'm not, I think he's going to be like, I don't know. I don't want to say he's going to be a bust because I don't want it to come back to bite me in the ass, but <laughs> I don't think Ridley's going to be as good as, as people think or hope he's going to be. Yeah, I he think was the one Ridley, guy. I think he's pretty much reached his, his ceiling because he's already 23 years old. That was but the one guy the I would have been scared of us taking just because he's old and he's unathletic and he wins with technical ability. And it, I don't know how it's going to translate when his main advantage, which is his experience and savvy, is kind of taken away from him. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, guys like Jerry Rice and Marvin Harrison made it work, but I don't know if Ridley is that guy. Yeah. Here's more what of a scares good. me about Ridley. He's not like if you put him on a team where he needs to be the number one wide receiver. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not so scared. But he's yeah. on the same team as Julio Jones, where Carolina is going to be scheming literally every play against Julio Jones. That's what scares me about the kid. He did go to a pretty ideal situation for himself. Yep. Yeah. The Falcons will probably be happy that they have somebody who won't drop a game-winning touchdown pass next time they play us. So. <laughs> they can stop throwing to that bum. Yeah. That bum Julio Jones, yeah. Yeah. Worst, worst player ever. <laughs> But anyway, the secondary guys. Did you guys have anything to, to add to that? Like, I like the plan. Even if I don't, I can't say whether or not I think it's going to work because I don't know. But I do like the the thought process behind it at least. Yeah, same here. I I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, you know, it. I I hope it will, obviously. But I I like that they're going for it. I like that they're doing something other than than doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something different to happen. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I I really like Dante Jackson. I think he's going to be a big, big help. I've seen a lot of stuff that says that he would have gone, seen a couple places said he was like better. He would have been one of the better corner, like one of the, what, like second or third corner in the draft. If you bigger. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's too short. I, I did see that. And I think I saw somebody said he's actually better than Jair Alexander. Yeah, that was yeah. Um, and I saw mocks from Maryland. Where, I saw mocks where uh, Dante Jackson went to us in the first round. Um, uh, so yeah, I I actually really like it because this isn't the same thing as when Dave Gettleman was like, okay, James Bradbury, Daryl Worley, Zach Bra- Zach Sanchez. Like, we need to have these three corners because we have nobody else. This, it's not the same mm-hmm. case. Like they have no. They have Bradbury, who can play number one corner. You, argue, you could argue that he shouldn't be, but at least he was, you know, top 33 last year. So you have Dante Jackson, the new guy from the Giants. So if the new guy from the Giants you happens Ross to work Cockrell. out well, Ross Cockrell. If he what happens <laughs> to work so out funny well, when it happens to you, is it? We are on a roll tonight with the names and the schools <laughs> you, and stuff. You can tell that we haven't done this in a while. I know. If it happens to work out with Cockrell, great. But if it doesn't, if Dante Jackson beats him out, then we just have quality depth at that point. Like mm. that, I like that because it's not these guys need to work out. It's more so like the Panthers actually have, okay, one of these people needs needs to work out, but they're all, you know, decent. So yeah. Carolina now has some options there. And Dante Jackson seems to fit that better because of his speed, where Carolina doesn't have anybody like that 
on their roster who can be fast and cover the fast guys down the field. So I'm yeah, a fan. He, I I'm think he's the fan. fastest corner we've had since Ken Lucas, and that's been like 12 years. Yeah, so. definitely. I liked what you said, Brad. I agree with it. Where it shows that we're also we're actually willing to move in a direction where we have a a flexible approach to each game, as opposed to saying we play cover three on every single snap, and then maybe I'll blitz extra people on certain downs. And yeah. with these players in these spots, we're like, we'll 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 adjust to what we're dealing with. Or at least we've been position we've positioned ourselves to be able to do that. Which yeah, is- now Ron could infuriate all of us and still stick to <laughs> playing cover three no matter what. But at least we have the the chess pieces to play a different game. <clears throat> exactly. And speaking of a uh, solid blitzing, Rashawn Golden seems like a very solid box safety. I think that's what Carolina drafted him for. Um, yes. Not overly athletic, not not testing in the best percentiles as far as like athletic testing goes, but the guy can hit from what I've seen. Um, can he tackle? That's all you need to be a strong box safety. That's really all you have to do. It's not even just there. tackling. He he goes for the ball. He's a he's one of those guys that based on what I've seen of him from the film I've watched, he goes after the ball when he goes for the tackle and that's that, that's reminiscent of the 2015 Panthers. Like, they they went for the ball at all times. So, what do we think of that pick? Uh, John, I'll start with you. What do you think of Golden? Um, Is going to be a safety or a corner? I think he – I mean, I think he's supposed to be a safety. I like that. But I think, you know, it's one of those things where we don't need to pigeonhole him into, like, a traditional spot. Like, this is where he's, his spot on the field is every time. Like – this he can kind of be a defense, so he's going to get pigeonholed. So this is this is in theory, this is what we've set ourselves up for, where he can come in, he can be like a, a box safety, but also like when we play, I don't know, like the Patriots. I don't, I don't even play them this year, but somebody like the Patriots or like the Packers with Jimmy Graham, like a team with the with an athletic wide receiver, uh, or tight end masquerading, or wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. We have somebody who should be able to match up with him physically or at least that would be the plan for him so regardless of if he's being playing as like a slot corner or if we have three safeties on the field or whatever you want to call it he kind of gives us a a chess piece like brad said for that kind of situation yeah i think it avoids us having to use shaq thompson in that role which is is always good good. yeah (laughs) it allows shaq thompson to be a linebacker instead of a box safety which I, i think is a good idea yeah, because the Shaq Thompson as a as a box safety slash nickelback nickel corner was not did not go well. That experiment didn't didn't pan out the way we had hoped. No, it definitely didn't. Nope. What What, what do you think, Brian? What are, What are your thoughts on Sean Golden? I like him because he's versatile, and Carolina values versatility. I mean, there's a reason why Colin Jones has stuck around for so freaking long. <laughs> but he's the like, most oh, he unversatile player on the roster. <laughs> he plays. He can do one special teams. He can do he one thing. Safety. Like he can run in a straight line and touch the ball before it goes over the goal line. I'm not saying <laughs> I think he's versatile, but they've played him in a versatile role because they've used him as a nickel corner. They've used him as a safety, and obviously he plays special teams. Clearly, they value versatility. That's also why they picked Shaq Thompson, even though he should mm-hmm. never be on the field as your big nickel. Not saying that yeah. I agree with it, but I understand it from the mentality of what they've done in the past. Um, 
I think that Golden would be a great safety, a box safety, like throw him in the Roman Harper role. I think he'll be decent because he's a very good, he's a very physical and a, aggressive tackler. And I like that. Like that when I was watching him on film, I was loving how just aggressive he is at hitting the ball carrier. And Carolina's defense is all about swarming. That's what they do. So this kid's going to fit in well. Do I think he's going to start? Eh, maybe. But <laughs> he, at least fits, he at least fits that mold. Um, he also flipped looking, the double bird to Alabama fans. So, you know, he, <laughs> he's, okay all, he's automatically a, a player in my book. So You like the moxie. I like the moxie. But speaking of aggressiveness, so – Billy, on day three of the draft, was banging his hand on the table for Ian Thomas, the tight end. And they actually took him, which I was surprised <laughs> by. I was 100% certain they weren't going to take him because Billy said that he wanted us to take him. So, I don't know who we're going to take, but I know it won't be the guy you want, Billy. So yep. yep. So Ian Thomas apparently is pretty adept at blocking so far. Which is a plus because, you know, we don't have a guy like that since Ed Dixon. And he has the, the athletic profile of Antonio Gates, according to a lot of experts. Um, I'm hoping that's a young Antonio Gates and not like now Antonio yeah, Gates. Yeah, what if Ant they mean Antonio <laughs> Gates now? Because Antonio 30, Gates now is like 47 years old. So. The 47-year-old Antonio Gates, that's the that athletic profile he has. He might be able to, uh, he might be able to dunk on you if you're like a 12-year-old. Um, on a nine-foot goal. Yeah. But a lot of Panthers fans, Billy included, were excited about the pick. So I'll start with uh, Brad. What do you think of that pick? It's actually my favorite pick in the entire draft class for several reasons. Number one, uh, it addresses a need that a lot of people don't realize we really even have. Yes, he's not going to come in and take Greg Olson's job today. Nobody's expecting him to do that. But, you know, every scouting report that you read on him is, like you said, Brian, he's got Antonio Gates' potential. He fits the same profile, athleticism, all that. Uh, he's very raw, and he's two to three years away from really being a everyday number one tight end in the NFL. If he maxes out his potential, he's a future perennial Pro Bowl candidate. Well, guess who only has three years left on his contract with the Carolina Panthers? He's 33 years old, plays tight end, and has talked about life after football involving being in the, um, the, the television booth for ESPN. If you guessed Greg Olson, you're correct. You win the prize. The Panthers, for a change, have actually taken a player that will help today because he can be the number two tight end or even number three if they want Chris Manhurts to be the de facto number two, whatever. But but they, they've taken someone. They needed depth, and they needed a potential replacement for Greg Olson, and they got it. And, you know, this dude has been through a lot of shit in his life. Um, when he was, I think it's either eight or nine years old, his parents 
both died suddenly and he had he had to be raised by his older siblings. So he grew up his entire life with no parents. And then he put himself through college at the University of Indiana, which I mean, it's not like he went to, you know, party city university. He went to a, a, a decent school, um, played football and got drafted in the NFL. So he's already he's already won at life. And I think he has what it takes to, you know, he's going to deal with adversity. All rookies do. I think he's got what it takes to get through that. And I really think in three years, people are going to say, wow, the Panthers really stole the next best tight end in the NFL. This is entirely anecdotal. This is entirely anecdotal, but it feels like there are a lot like tight end is a common position where big names kind of come from all over the place in the draft. Like that third to fourth round range seems to be a pretty, yeah. pretty prime spot to get a lot of start where a lot of star talent in the NFL comes from. Yeah. Well, you know? like Jimmy Graham, he played basketball in college. Nobody thought yeah. he would be a good tight end. Um, you know, Antonio Gates played basketball in college. He wasn't expected to be anything. So you're right. I mean, it's tight end is usually the the one that who is that guy? And he ends up being yeah. a, an all star. Like Gronkowski, I think it was like a second round pick. I know like Gronkowski, Kelsey, Olsen, like all of these guys. Were, or was Olsen a first round pick? Olsen was, was a first round pick, but, but he didn't do anything until we traded for him. Yeah. But all the other, like a lot of the, like you said, Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, all these guys were like middle, like, you know, day two, day three type guys. And they, they turned out okay. Obviously, that's entirely anecdotal. It has nothing to do with Ian Thomas, but it's it's – something to keep in mind. Like, it's not like a throwaway pick by any means. No, the dude's an athletic monster too. Yeah. And that seems to be kind of the, what you look for in tight ends is you find someone that's really big and really athletic. And then they eventually get good at being a tight end. Yeah. And with the basketball players. Yeah. And especially if he becomes good, you know, in a couple of years, this, it works out even better for Carolina because, and we can segue into the next pick. Mm-hmm. which ended up being 136, Marquise Haynes, edge rusher from Ole Miss. But we had the number 85 and the number 88 pick. Um, we kept the 85 pick that Buffalo gave us, and we used our pick 88. We traded it to Green Bay, and we got picks 101 and 147. Well, we used number 101 on Ian Thomas. So mm-hmm. we essentially traded Kalen Clay for – Ian Thomas. Yeah. Or Calvin Benjamin. I'm sorry, not Kalen Clay. We got a seventh round of <laughs> Kalen Clay. Um, we, we essentially traded Kelvin Benjamin for, for Ian Thomas and Marquise Haynes. Yeah, which is uh, hopefully which I think be, like, we, hopefully we won that trade. Yeah. Yeah, Marquise um, Haynes is a, definitely a strong speed rusher. He's very reminiscent of a Mario Addison, as far as that goes, he's an undersized almost, defensive end, but he, yeah, he's, he's almost the exact same size as Mario Addison when he came out. Yeah, he's got a strong bull rush. Strong, he's got a lot of good techniques. He's just somebody where he's small, and Carolina can use him as a pass rusher. But we look back at like Wes Horton, for example, and obviously not the same player, but Wes Horton came out. They essentially, you know, had him on speed dial for being on the roster as defensive end and last year he led the team in forced fumbles so Carolina's pretty good 
at developing guys like that and letting them do what they're good at. So I'm definitely a fan of the Haynes pick, and I think he'll be maybe not the next Mario Addison, but at least, you know, a three to four sack guy a year. And with and a that's really pick, all that's they bad. need for him to be. I mean, uh, he, he's not a scrub by any means. You know, I'm not saying who said he is, but, I mean, he broke Greg Hardy's record at Ole Miss for most sacks. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think if we could get three to four sacks a year out of him, I think the Panthers would be more than happy with the, a fourth rounder do, giving that kind of production. I'm, I'm with him. I'm also, it's another thing like we kind of talked about. It's, it's refreshing to see us kind of getting away from the, the size obsession we had with Dave Gettleman from the majority of his tenure. And I really don't care about his weight that much. Cause like, if he can, if he can get around the guy that's blocking him, then that's all he, that's all that's required. He doesn't need to be heavy to do that. No. Um, I mean, I think it's, there's more of an advantage of him being smaller because you know, on third and long, when we're playing against the Falcons, third and long, they've got Ridley and, and Julio on the outside. You know, throw the NASCAR package out there. Put Marquise Haynes mm-hmm. on the outside. Move Julius Peppers and K1 Short into defensive tackle and put Mario Addison on the other side and just get after it. I mean, I, I think yeah. that extra speed will be good. Did you guys see the I'm- highlight where he bulldozed – Cam Thomas, or uh, yes, yes, yeah, he bulldozed Cam Thomas, an NFL tackle, to the ground. Like he made him look <laughs> like a Division two tackle in that play for a sack, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like <laughs> this kid's a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick, and he put Cam Thomas on the ground. Like that's that's pretty good. That that's hashtag pretty good. I must say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, we've seen it become more like. A, a more of a trend in that direction. You know, I think Von Miller was kind of the one that started it. And then the Falcons have Vic Beasley with that kind of linebacker size defensive end that just specializes in rushing the passer. And you guys know my take on how important it is to, to set the edge in the run game and that I don't think it matters at all. Yeah. So, I'm starting like, to come around on that. So it's like, I, it's okay. You know, sacrificing maybe one or two extra, like one or two, maybe chunk carries if he's getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. And obviously as a fourth round pick, there's no guarantee that he's going to come in and be like, you know, a guaranteed contributor. But you know, again, we're talking about the principle of it. I like the thought process, you know, just yeah. the more guys you can rotate in and they can get to the quarterback, the better, they, the better off you'll be. And, and especially also... like you said, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's, Especially like you said early on, all you know, just just limit him to third downs or second and longs, where you know you're you're not concerned with with the run and yeah, kind of take that responsibility off his plate as he as he continues to bulk up and get to like a more traditional defensive end size like Mario Addison did. Yeah, I mean we we could even put him out there. We could even run some three four looks, you know, Stand throw him up. out there at, at at outside linebacker. Yeah. Uh, Brian, did you have anything else to add about him? I do not. What do you guys think about us taking back-to-back linebackers with our yeah? We're at the the point of the yeah. We're at the point of the draft now where I don't like it anymore. (laughs) Um, I think if Marty would have just traded the last four picks or three picks we had and just called it a day, I I would have been happy. (laughs) Um, I mean Jermaine Carter, linebacker out of Louisville. um, I think. I, I, or Maryland. I think 
is okay. He was, I think he was their leading tackler. He was. Yep. Um, which is common for linebackers, but I do not. And I know CSR listeners are going to hate me for saying this, but I do not understand drafting Andre Smith from North Carolina. I feel like we just basically took the same guy twice. Uh, and I, I don't, <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I just I, – I don't mind taking Jermaine Carter, and I don't mind taking Andre Smith. My problem is getting both of them. And I even – I talked about this today. I wrote an article about Evan Silva's draft grade giving us a C-minus because we didn't address the offensive line. And when we picked Jermaine Carter in the fifth round, Colby Gossett from Appalachian State, the guard, was available. And it, we could have taken him and fixed a problem that we have. We need a plug-and-play left guard. He could have been that guy. And I don't think Jermaine Carter would have been drafted before we were picking again. I it just the only thing that's weird about it to me, like I'm not gonna get out bent out of shape of what we do with, with fifth, sixth, seventh round picks because. Yeah, They're ultimately I, I on the that. same level as un, undrafted free agents. It is weird to kind of take the two back-to-back where it seems like we're kind of in a position where one of them probably won't make the team. And it's kind of weird to to draft a player kind of with the expectation that one of them isn't going to even make the team on their, uh, as a rookie. Because you kind of expect all the draft picks to kind of get one year on the team before they start looking to get uh, replaced. Yeah, I mean, unless they're going to do some house cleaning on the on depth at linebacker, like you know Ben Jacobs and guys like that, and they're just going to clean mm-hmm. house there. That would be the only thing that would make any sense as to why they drafted both of them. Yeah, I mean, if both of them have good resumes, like you said, like both, like you said, like have they're very solid players. Like not to say they're bad players, they both, I think, in terms of I don't know what their like athletic testing numbers were. But like Jermaine Carter was a like all Big Ten honorable mention, all like Buckus Award watch list and stuff. I know Andre Carter was supposed to be one of the top linebackers in the ACC and then in college football when he until he got hurt. So they you know they have good track records, but I just don't. It's just one of those where it's like I don't think both of them are going to fit, and it, which is fine because it's they're not like like whoever we're going to take there regardless is probably you know had odds were against them that they're going to ever contribute anyway. It just kind of seems like. It, you're you're passing up an opportunity where you could have a better chance to find a a, a contributor. You're kind of punting yeah. on one of those picks in a sense. Yeah, and you know to be fair to Marty, the the pick that he used on Andre Smith, number two hundred thirty four in the seventh round, we got that in a trade from the Chargers. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not like we we used our pick. I mean, yeah. we didn't have that pick. So you know, if he makes the team, great. If he doesn't, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Brian, do you have anything else besides all this? Just kind of who cares and eh, whatever. No, that's about how I feel about <laughs> it too. Is that how we also feel about Kendrick Norton? No offense, Kendrick Norton, if you're listening. Well, I did feel that way until his quote. Until his quote, but I, I felt <laughs> that I was going to bring up. I felt that way at first. Yeah. And then I found out that he was Ken Norton's son and Ken Norton Sr.'s grandson, and I was excited. Then I found out he's not really Ken Norton Jr.'s son and Ken Norton Sr.'s <laughs> grandson. That that's a, an urban legend. And then I was back to meh again. And then he came out with that fire quote, 
And now I want the dude to make the team and start. <laughs> He's going to have to beat out Kyle Love, but it's actually possible. As much as I like Kyle Love, he's 35, I think. Uh, the Panthers could just be wanting to get younger. Yeah, like just replace Kyle Love with a similar player that's, that's 10, 10 years, years younger. younger. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't yeah. you Kyle do that? Love is 31, by the way. He's only so, he's really only 31? Holy crap. Yep. Well, how old's Kendrick Norton? Uh, Kendrick Norton is... Uh, blank. Cool. Ten years. Oh, so, so he's ageless. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I understand. And it's uh, defensive tackles not a need, obviously, because we talked about how we've made redundant picks there. So, but I mean, there are, there is there is an opening in the rotation. I would think you know, and those used to compete for a spot in the rotation or kind of get get in the building for whenever Kyle Love gets too old, whether that be this year or in a couple years. There's a guy we can kind of turn to if he develops to, to yeah. add to that rotation. We have to say no. Yeah, I was going to say, I think worst case scenario, he ends up on the practice squad. Yeah, probably. Um, Which is fine. Yeah. This, this we is we fine. should probably we should probably read his quote because I think people listening yeah. are probably like, well, what the hell did he say? <laughs> do you have it in front of you? I do not, but I, I can paraphrase it. Yeah, I can paraphrase. Go ahead and paraphrase it. Uh, he he wants to make every GM, all thirty-one GMs, get fired. All thirty-one that didn't draft him. All thirty-one that didn't draft him get fired. <laughs> I want to get all thirty-two GMs fired. Every single one. I'm gonna get all the other ones fired for missing on me, and then I'm gonna tank my value so that the one that drafted me also gets fired. <laughs> Brian's gone, so it's just Brian the two of us left now. us. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry guys, he didn't want to talk to you anymore. Um I guess to kinda to wrap it up, uh, do you have any undrafted free agent that you were particularly excited about or fond of or interested in seeing going forward into camp and preseason? I'm sorry, what I was distracted by something. What was that again? <laughs> it's okay. Um any of our undrafted free agents to kind of wrap it up? Any uh, Oh, any UDFAs. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me fire up the list here. I know there was a I'll running back from Maryland that I thought was pretty <laughs> good. Oh, Joke's my God, Brad. I'll tell you, you know, you know who my, the one I'm most excited about is we signed a defensive tackle named Tracy Sprinkle. That, that is an amazing name. That is an amazing name. I am. That's that's the only thing I know about him. His name's Tracy Sprinkle, and that's all I need <laughs> to know about him. Well, he's from Ohio State, so <laughs> – that's just that, the, that is an amazing name, especially for a, a defensive tackle, like a big guy. Yeah, name would not be as great if it was like a like a corner, a punter, or a wide receiver, yeah. or something. Yeah, it's just whatever. But a big guy, last name Sprinkle, like that's you can't beat that. Yeah. Okay. I am. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing Kyle Allen sling the ball around in practice and at camp because yeah, you know we need a third quarterback. Um. Another Reggie Bonifant, the Louisville running back. I, I kind of want to see how they go there. They said they're going to strictly have him as a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, and surely to goodness, with between Brendan Meehan, Taylor Hearn, and Kyle Bosch, we should find a replacement for Andrew Norwell. <laughs> just just we, eight we, guards. We, yeah, we signed three guards um, 
Taylor Hearn might be the guy. He's 6'5", 320 from Clemson. Uh, you know, that might be the one to look out for. But I, I'm really looking forward to seeing if we can find a guard to replace Andrew Norwell so um, Taylor Moten can be a tackle. So I have my guard to watch out for here. Um, I'm looking forward to see Kyle Bosch from West Virginia, 6'4", 295. Um, I know that we like to make fun of pro football focus for nerds and their numbers, but he was their yeah. ninth-rated guard in the draft. So I'm excited to see what he actually brings to the table. And I'm not saying that he's going to be a roster maker or a starter or anything like that, but he got graded out pretty well. So he's a undrafted free agent. Panthers lose nothing by cutting him. So I want to see where he goes. That is that is interesting. I'm Brad touched on it, but um, Reggie Bonifan, not as much. I mean, the player too, but just the the uh, approach we're taking again, where we're the running back we go for as an undrafted free agent is a guy that played quarterback and wide receiver where I don't know. I'm getting this optim this, this impression that maybe we understand where the NFL is going and we're trying to keep up instead of trying to keep living in 1978 where yeah. all <laughs> I, I at least have hope. Yeah. Like we didn't, we didn't time in probably five years. I have hope. Yeah. That we're, moving forward and that into we're actually the, moving the forward yes it's okay. yeah that'll be crushed in three months i know it like, will but i'm gonna hold on to it for these next three months yeah like we didn't we didn't reach to take a like a nick chubb because we needed a quote power back or yeah, i was, and, you I know, was we, gonna ask you about that I've, I've seen several people on csr say we needed a power back and i've seen on twitter people were mad on twitter that we didn't draft a power back um particularly bo scarborough and I'm, oh, I personally one. would have liked to have drafted him, but it wasn't absolutely necessary. We have one. I His think name is Cam Newton. That's just exactly what I was going to say. Like the time, the amount of times you'll need a power back in a like where that's what you absolutely need in a in like in a game are not that frequent. It's not like you need a power back every single down like you did in the 1970s, like we're talking about. So like. If Christian McCaffrey gets what fifteen carries a game, that's a pretty manageable workload. Ten to like twelve to fifteen. Cameron Osarda Payne. Cameron Osarda Payne gets what five to eight. Cam gets you know four to six or something like that. It, it, it works out. Like it's it's everybody can split the load. If we need a power run, we're better off running with Cam as a power runner anyway. He's yeah. better at it than just about anybody in the league. I don't want to hear about oh you can't you don't want to get him hurt. He's a, he's a football player just like everybody else. He's not more fragile than the next guy. And quite um, honestly, if he's going to get hurt, it's going to be because, be because Amini Silatolu let a, a defensive <laughs> tackle go straight through him and right into Cam's face. Exactly. It's not going to be because Cam ran for on fourth and two because he tried to go up the middle and gain three yards. Yeah, because he pushed through a crowd of people he, and fell down like that. Yeah, like, I mean, Cam braces I, for those hits. He like lowers his shoulder and shit. When when Amini's in at left ta- or at left guard. You know, Cam doesn't even see it coming because it happens so quick. Well, how often do you see uh, the ball carrier get hurt in those short yardage carries like that? Other than freak ligament injuries and shit, it, it yeah, very rarely happens. They're usually usually ball carrier injuries are like open field, somebody coming in coming in hot and like taking out their leg or yeah. hitting them in the, hit blindsiding them with a hit or something. They're not usually like running like push through the offensive line and fall down and sprain your ankle. 
But I like that to go back to what I was saying with Reggie Bonifant. Now we're going for, it seems like we've placed a priority on running backs who can catch. They're not one dimensional. We don't like not another Jonathan Stewart, where if Jonathan Stewart's in the backfield, if he doesn't take a handoff, he's worthless. I mean, he can pass protect, but like you, there's only one thing he can do as a threat to your defense. And that's take a handoff and run up the middle with it. If that's yeah. not, if he's not doing that, all he's doing is, is just, he's essentially functioning as a six offensive lineman. If he's not taking the ball on a handoff and that's, so I like that. We seem to be like, we want again, more versatility. We're going for running backs that can do a multitude of things. One more piece of Panthers news since, since it sounds like we're done talking about the draft. I have uh, one more question, but you oh, can go for it. No, no, go for it. It's probably better than mine. Well, I was just going to say in the non-trades division, what do you think was the worst pick that anyone made over the draft weekend? And which honestly would be day one because nobody gives a <laughs> shit about who picked yeah. on day three. The same um, trading up for a pass rusher. I said 100%. non-trades, no. Brian. <laughs> Oh, Way to not follow the one rule. It cut out, man. <laughs> We're going to um, talk about that next time we we talk. It's true. I gotta look. I gotta pull up the list. I can't. Do you have any off the top of your head while I look at the look? At well, the list? I can probably go ahead and tell you, John, what your least favorite or stupidest pick is. Is that's I say number two overall. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only the only way that you can justify that. And I would be, and I wouldn't think it was a bad pick. Is if you use him like Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, where he carries the ball twenty times for a decent, you know, with like regular, somewhat efficient rate, and catches like eight passes a game out of the backfield, where he's basically your entire offense. Like that's that's what you need your running back to be if he, to be worth that kind of pick. If he's not if he's not catching if he doesn't catch like seventy to eighty passes this year, then yeah, that was a bad pick. And I think Pat Shermer. They used Alvin Cook like that last year, so I think they'll be okay in that regard. But if they try to use him just like as a, you know, like Demarco Murray with the Cowboys a few years ago, where he, a few years ago where he just takes twenty eight carries and catches like one pass per game, then yeah, dumb pick, dumb dumb pick. I felt Denzel Ward was a reach. He was. I agree with that. Yeah, like Denzel Ward's a good player, but fourth overall, really, like. Can can this- we? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Finish your thing. I was going to say in this league where I get it, like passing is king, but you pair, pair Miles Garrett with Bradley Chubb and your pass rush is devastating, at least in the next two years. Why? You know, why? Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Are we allowed to pick players that were traded up for, but even like this, but not factoring in the trade itself as into our consideration? Sure. What about the Bills drafting Josh Allen? Yeah, that was going to be mine. Yeah, well, like that, regardless. Or the wide receiver for them. That or the <laughs> he's, Raiders he's drafting Colton Miller. See, I don't know enough about Colton Miller to know if that was a bad pick or not. I just Josh Allen because he's been it's been so prominent on Twitter and stuff. Uh, him just not being good at playing quarterback and then being the what fourth quarterback off the board or was he before yeah, yeah he was I, the I, third I quarterback off the board yeah he was a third yeah, yeah josh rosen was the fourth josh rosen is going to end up being the best quarterback in that draft class because he's mm-hmm. pissed off yeah you think so 
Um, Allen is John's favorite kind of quarterback. Tall, white, and can kind of throw. <laughs> Tall, white, and can throw far, but not well. Yeah, I think that's that's that's, that's what you want in a quarterback. My but, favorite so would... stat I saw about the draft, and this goes back to the Raiders taking Colton Miller at fifteen. If you take their first six picks, oh yes, and, and reverse them, they had a better draft. Yeah, because they tw- somehow they got Maurice Hurst in like the third round or fourth round or something. Yeah, it was like, like the fifth round or fifth round. Uh, yeah. And I know he's got a heart condition, but still, he was a top twenty prospect. I think yes. the, the pick that scares me the most is Vita Vey going to Tampa. Yep, 100%. Because as of right this moment, Amini Silatolu is our starting left guard, <laughs> and he is going to eat him alive. I would just I just hope we aren't stubborn and just try to run at him over and over again. Oh, you know we're going to do that. <laughs> we will. We, will absolutely. we don't have Mike Shula anymore, so maybe there's hope again left guard dies with christian mccaffrey it's gonna happen <laughs> it's soft season's all about hope yep um but i think that was it. i think the two of the two that stuck at were saquon barley and also the dave gettleman school of drafting where i don't, don't even entertain the thought of moving down at all i'm just going to take this the guy i think is the best even though i actually don't know what i'm doing uh and then taking a running back at number two. The decision-making process process is questionable. And he made it even worse. Every time they talked to him about it, he made it worse. He said Saquon Barkley is the best draft prospect he's ever seen other mm-hmm. than Peyton Manning. Then he's going he's running back from Penn State. He's <laughs> not – I mean, it it just – it blows my mind. I, I feel sorry for Giants fans. I mean, Did you know says- – yeah, I keep interrupting you guys. I need to stop that. Did he do say like start talking about his butt? I saw like somebody mentioned something about that, but I didn't see the actual comments. I, I don't know if he. I'm sure he did. I didn't see those comments, but that would I be mean, the NFL. That's like quintessential NFL like to sit like evaluating. Is yeah. like, is he good? I don't know, man. But you see that Keister? That, there's some power a nice in those legs. Butt. He's yeah. got nice thighs. Got a good base. Exactly. I mean, you know, and the Giants will be happy, at least their fans will. He's going to rush for 1,500 yards. He's going to get two or 300 yards receiving, you know, things like that. He'll score 10, 15 touchdowns. That's great, but that doesn't mean he wasn't overdrafted. Yeah, especially because, like, if if he turned down a bunch to move down, I can't imagine it was going to be that far. And I don't think anybody was trading up to get Saquon Barkley, and I don't think anybody else would have taken him. Yeah, allegedly he turned down three second round picks to get Saquon like- Barkley, and it was someone who wanted to jump ahead to get a quarterback. Somebody wanted to jump ahead of the Jets to get Sam Darnold. I almost mm-hmm. guarantee you that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It might have been the well, I don't know who had second round, who has that many second round picks, but for a team that was so devoid of talent last year, like the Giants, that sounds like something you would want. Exactly. More than more than that, one running back. I wish they would um, announce who it was. Mm-hmm. I sure we could. I'm curious. Figure it out. Sure we could figure it out. But then who had that kind of draft capital? Who had either three second round picks this year, or who had two this year and one, and then they could offer. Next yeah, year. they they never said if it was three second rounders this year or two this year, one next year, or one every year for the next three years, or. Yeah, but you know, I would almost be willing to bet that it was either Denver, Buffalo, 
or Arizona. Yeah. Because all that, three of those teams needed a quarterback, and they would have wanted to jump the Jets to get Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, and you could, he could have had guys, you know, he got Will Hernandez, but he could have got Nick Chubb if somebody happened to take Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and probably be, I think Barkley in three extra second round or like a like a second or third best running back and like and three second round picks is probably better than Barkley and none of those picks. Yeah, he could have gotten Ronald Jones the second. He could have gotten James Daniels. He could have gotten Harold Landry. He could have gotten Mike Jasicki. Uh, you know, I mean, Josh Jackson, Christian Kirk, Dallas Goddard, Connor Williams, Anthony Miller. I mean, all these players were available in the second round, depending on where those picks would have lined up. That's what, and he could have gotten um, Darius Geis. Um, You know, those are all players he potentially passed up on just to take Saquon Barkley number two. Yeah, I would have, if I, if I were in that room, I would say, take a chance, move down, try to get him later. If not, oh, well, we'll be okay. Yeah. Cause I, I almost guarantee you, he would have went down to six or seven. Barkley would have still been there. And if he Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been take Quentin Nelson, the guard, get your guard, and then in the second round, get a running back. Yeah. But what do I know? What do we know? We aren't we weren't former Panthers GMs who got fired, so, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're at an hour. I do want to say one last thing. Uh, according to my mother, breaking news, uh, Josh Norman did very well on his debut at Dancing with the Stars. I have that DVR, and I was going to legit watch it because oh. Josh Norman's on there. Sorry if I spoiled <laughs> it for you. You did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she texted me while we were doing the show and said Josh Norman's about to dance and I said how do you do and she said he did great he got he tied for the highest score so oh, okay cool good for him Thank which I, I will admit I do watch Dancing with the Stars so <laughs> yeah I'm so, not yeah. married with children yet so I don't but <laughs> Brian there's a lot of hot women on that show yeah there's a lot of hot women in porn too so <laughs> Yeah, but it's acceptable to watch Dancing with the Stars when your grandma comes over. That's what you saying. Maybe for your grandma. You don't know yeah. Brian's grandma. Uh, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know how raunchy she is. Um, but anyway, I think that's the note for us to go. Yep, that's that's, that, the... that's the end. That's, that's rock bottom for us. Um, but yeah. Thank you for joining us for the CSR podcast. We will be joining Gina and DW from the Falcoholic next time, which should be within the next couple days to talk shit on the Saints and Bucks draft classes. Please come join us. It'll be a fun time. There'll be a lot of shit talking going on, but from all of us here at the fourth and short podcast joined by Brad and John, you guys have a good night. Have a good week. And we'll talk to you soon. See you. Later. Keeps the football. Takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff. And he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps. Lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal. Shuttle pass. McCaffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart. And he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know, it is good, and Carolina gets a road win in New 
England. Your last chance, last summer.